everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. I am your host, Katie Zaccardi, and my guest today, Eline, is a holistic health coach, a speaker, and an entrepreneur and founder of The Unicorn Mothership. Through holistic coaching, she empowers DJs and producers to create and sustain a healthy mind style in music so that they can consciously put their well-being first and face the negative effects of an irregular, stressy schedule in the electronic music industry. As you can tell, me and Aline have very similar missions and are working towards very similar things, which is wellness in the music industry. So I really enjoyed our discussion today. We also were able to dive deep on a topic that we haven't really touched on quite yet on the podcast. Well, the first was hedonism, so that's one thing. But the other thing was the difference between men and women and how this issue displays in both. Now, of course, I've had men on the podcast and we've discussed that on the podcast with them, but I only coach women. So I don't necessarily have the perspective of the difference between how men tend to approach coaching and dealing with these issues versus women. So this conversation was really interesting to talk about the differences, to talk about the electronic music industry in particular, although really this episode speaks to all people, no matter what area of the music industry you're in. That's just where Aline works specifically. And I think that you will find some really helpful tips and some meaningful discussion in this episode. So without any further ado, let's jump right in. Hey, Aline, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Hey, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm doing amazing. And I want to jump right in and get to know you a little bit better. So mm-hmm. you are a holistic health coach for musicians and people in the music industry. But can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this and what exactly you do? Okay, well, first I will tell you what exactly I do, which is I help DJs and producers specifically in the electronic scene. So in the dance music industry to create a healthy, self-empowering mind style so that they can put their well-being first in a pretty hedonistic, stressful environment that is, you know, the electronic scene. And the way I got started is, well, I mean, it's a long story, but long story short, um, I struggled with a lot of mental health issues when I was younger due to a violent, uh, a violent youth. And I had, you know, experienced sexual abuse in my youth. So I really had to cope with a lot of mental health struggles. Um, as I grew older and as I went into adulthood and I had to learn how to make conscious, healthy choices for myself, for my life, you know, etc. Um, so I took to, took to coaching, to holistic coaching, to help me with that, to help me support with that and to really, gain back control over my own kind of mental health and my mental state of being because I really felt at some point I was just losing control. So that was one thing. And then on the other hand, I really moved into the dance music industry when I was, I think, 17 or 18. And that was kind of sort of an escape for me, you know, just going out and having like a mental break, you know, just being amongst other people who were enjoying the music, dancing, clubbing until the wee hours. Um, That really helped me to kind of, you know, take a break from everything and to calm down and to really escape. So that's how I rolled into that scene. And then as I became older and I started to work as a professional, I discovered that there was a lot of things missing in the dance music industry Um, in terms of mental health support for DJs and producers, because they are, you know, really working irregular, you know, irregular hours. They, um, 
you know, a lot of times have to play until four or five a.m. And if they play out of town, they have to get back on the plane at eight a.m. in the morning. They don't get a lot of sleep. They have to handle different time zones. They don't always have control over what they eat. Sometimes they, you know, they struggle with loneliness because a lot of DJs just go out there play by themselves. They arrive in the club. Everybody's super psyched to see them. Adrenaline is high, and then they get back to their hotel or back home, and all of that kind of attention is all of a sudden dropping off, and they're back by themselves. So those are all struggles that you know are still a bit taboo in the dance music industry that people don't really talk about a lot. Um, it's getting better though, but you know, unfortunately, it has gotten better due to a couple of serious incidents for example Avicii passing away even though he really said at some point like guys I want to quit I need to get out this is killing me literally um, even after all of that you know um, people still didn't really latch on so over the course of the years I, I started to see this um, you know over the course of the past 15 years and it was only until three years ago when I started my coaching training that it started to click for me. You know, I started to see a link between, Hey, this is something that really helped me, you know, get back to mental health and the music industry also helped me in a way. So why not put two and two together? And that's why I started holistic coaching specifically for DJs and producers. Yeah. That is such an amazing story and thank you for sharing it with us. It's so great to see you doing this work that is so needed. Of course, it's so needed everywhere in the music industry, but I think in the electronic part of it, it's like, like you said, with Avicii's death and things happening where people are really waking up and realizing this is a serious issue. This isn't something we can ignore. And when you do have people who are, the culture is more like clubbing and staying out really late and like you said, with getting no sleep, with eating poorly, that can take a serious toll on people's bodies, um, not even thinking about the mental health perspective. And then when you add the mental health perspective into it, when people start to get extra tired, they start to get stressed, lonely. It just is so much for us to handle. And it can be really, really hard to do it alone and to even know what step to take, uh, mm -hmm. especially because there's not a lot of resources out there. So having you as a person who can help with that is so incredible for anyone who's struggling. So I'd love to know, when you start working with clients, where do you usually start? What's the one thing that you notice is like really bad for a lot of people or what they're struggling with the most in this fear? Well, I have, I have like a really strict, like, I don't like to use this word, but it's what I do, like vetting process mm -hmm. of really um, going deep and specific into what the actual issue is so that I can understand how I can help them and if I can help them because in some cases when it when it's you know when it's a case of severe substance abuse and there is a case of like severe addiction I really kind of have to take the time to you know assess the situation and see if that's actually something I can help with because even though I do have somewhat of an experience to tackle addiction and help people tackle that there's only so much i can do on the surface level i am not trained to you know help people cope with severe addictions there's other professionals for that so we really have to understand what the issue is first and foremost where i can actually really help 
and whether or not I have to refer a person to another professional. So that's like the first kind of, um, you know, step in the customer journey. So what I usually do is I really help people understand what their most important life areas are and which areas are lacking or are taking away a lot of attention or are a source of stress. And then we will look at, you know, because it's a holistic process, it's holistic coaching, we will look at how is that affecting you personally and what other outside transpersonal factors are affecting you and your music and how are all of these things influencing each other and what can we take away that will be like the smallest change that will have the biggest effect on your life on your music right now so for example for example it's about um performance anxiety you know being afraid to get into the dj booth and being afraid to make mistakes and as a result needing a drink or two or 10 to calm those nerves you know for example that's one thing that i work on confidence building Another one, especially more specifically with women, is I've noticed in my practice over the course of the two years that I've been doing it, that there is a common denominator with women thinking that their skills are not good enough. So they will be afraid to get visible or unsure whether or not they should be really be DJing or producing music. Um, so that also comes down to confidence building, but it's, it's a different type of, of issue. So it's really a matter of determining what, you know, is at the core and in which area of their lives this is happening and then trying to merge everything back together so they can feel like they're whole again as a person and they can balance their music and their life at the same time. So it's really diverse, uh, but at the core, it's really about talking, talking through their lives and their life's issues and then seeing which area needs the most attention or is a source of stress and starting there. And then from there on, it usually goes a lot deeper than people imagined it would be. So yeah. It's always like that. Every conversation always starts with something on the surface and it always goes like so much further. Yeah, so, uh, totally. Yeah, you probably know what, what that's like, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You think <laughs> someone comes in like, oh, I don't know, I'm just feeling stressed. It's probably because I had a busy week. And then it's like, <laughs> You you uncover all of the layers and there's so yes. much more going on deep down yes. that's that's actually causing the problem. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's so important to really take that holistic view because just like that, I mean, you can think that there's one thing that's making you feel stressed, making you feel overwhelmed or causing whatever problems you're going through. And then when you really look at it from all areas of your life, you realize yeah. that it's either something else or a combination of things that are happening and there are simple changes that we can make to overcome that, but it's, you have to know where the problem is coming from before you can make any changes. Yeah, exactly. And you also have to have some time to get to know your clients. I mean, I do offer like one-off calls, but those are more for like acute issues or acute, you know, on the surface problems. But if you really want to help somebody in depth, you really have to have some time to get to know your client. Right. And as the coach, you're also going through all of those processes. So you also need some time to, you know, to cope with all of the things that, that are coming your way. I mean, I'm super empathic when somebody is sitting in front of me, I'm, I'm living through all of those emotions with this person, you know, I'm like, 
I don't know, like the GPS that's, that's helping you find your way through all of that. But I'm there with you every, every step of the way. So, you know, I, I really have to make sure that, that we can establish uh, a level of trust and I, I can show that person that it's safe with me because they never know what's going to come out and they're yeah. always surprised. So they really have to be sure that it's safe and that anything is, can happen and that everything that is going on is okay you know, and it's human and it's normal. Yeah. And it's normal, I think, for the clients and who, like, for instance, whoever's listening, who might be struggling with this to feel a little bit nervous and insecure about even getting a coach in the first place, because Mm -hmm. you are having to open up about so much of your life. You are having to do the work to dig deeper and that can be a little bit scary at first. So being able to work with someone who is able to connect with you, really listen to you, work through those emotions with you, and also just show you that you can, you know, you can be trusted. You're here for mm-hmm. them is so important because it's hard. I think for people to get that help because they also don't know, is this person going to really help me? Does this person have my best interest in mind? And can I actually trust them with what I'm going through? Yeah. And in the end, what you're looking for is, I mean, that's always what I tell people. I'm your accountability partner. I mean, I'm not going to give you like a magic solution to all of your problems you have to put in the work you have to be super motivated you really have to work hard you know and you have to be consistent and work on a daily basis for the rest of your life it's the same for me i'm constantly going back to my coaches who trained me i'm constantly every day working through limiting beliefs and limiting mindsets i mean i i'm there with you i've never ever done anything with a client that i haven't tried myself Um, and also what I want to make sure is that when you go home from a session that you have self-help tools that you can apply at home for the rest of your life. I mean, that's, that's what I want to, want to give to people, but yeah, it cannot be everything for everyone. So that's also why I really, you know, narrow down my audience so that I could really service them the best way I can. Yeah. Absolutely. And you mentioned this when you were talking a little bit about your audience at the beginning, but you work with your clients uh, to find a balance between health and hedonism. So I want to dig a little bit more into this. First of all, what does this mean? Especially for people who hear that and they're like, what? Can you tell us what this means to you? Yeah. So what this means to me is, um, especially the dance music industry is known to have like a hedonistic lifestyle attached to it. You know, you're going out late, you're enjoying, you know, you're enjoying yourself, you're enjoying the music. Um, You know, there's, there's drinking, there's in some cases drugs. Um, So you're not always making healthy choices for your body and your minds. So it's really all about understanding where the limits are and balancing those. Knowing that, for example, I've had clients who you know, had to DJ, but who are also still working a day job. And then they understand like, okay, I can, you know, I can play my set and I can go to the after party and drink and, and, you know, go to bed at 9am or whatever. And then the next day have to be somewhere at noon, or I could just be smart and go to bed early, get up early, have breakfast. You know, my body needs good food, needs fuel, to get through today and then maybe I will be a bit tired but you know it's better to maintain myself this way but it's so easy to get lost I mean I, I have it like once I go on a bender it's like 
whatever. I'm just partying and I'm forgetting about everything. And it's so easy to, to get sucked in, you know? So it's really about health versus hedonism. Like how, how am I balancing these two? You know, where, where do I draw the line for myself? Why do you think it is such a struggle? I mean, and of course I don't want to generalize and I know it's probably a combination <laughs> of things and different for each client, but why do you think it's such a struggle? Is it like FOMO, you know, fear of missing out? Is it because you're just having so much fun that you don't want to go home? You don't want to put limits on yourself? Is it the worry or just like maybe the almost delusion that you think like, no, 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 I'll be fine. I, I feel okay. Like I can <laughs> run on three hours of sleep. It's totally cool. What do you think is the biggest thing or maybe the, the several biggest things that people use as, as an excuse or struggle mm -hmm. with when trying to really balance health? I think honestly, like it's probably all of the above <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, but I think in most cases, it's really about you know, in dance music, I mean, that's also how it kind of started back in the 70s, 80s uh, in the States and also in the UK as an escape, really just forget about everything and be free and go dancing and not think about anything and just enjoy yourself. And, you know, like the party could go on until the morning and it's, it still does. <laughs> um, I think it's really about you know, letting loose and escaping and feeling free and taking a break from everything. I mean, that's especially for me the case when I go out and, you know, when I'm, when I'm joining, I mean, I do manage a couple of artists. So when I, when I join them for me, it's always like, yay, the door is open. And I'm like, ha, ah, yes, let's do this. Like close the doors behind me and leave the word behind world behind and just be like, <laughs> you know, woo -woo, yeah, dance. Yeah. So I think, I think most, most of it is escaping and then all of the other stuff, I, I, I don't know FOMO. I don't have that. I don't have FOMO. I know there's a lot of, I more have like YOLO, not FOMO, but um, I think, yeah, for some people it may, it may be FOMO, maybe especially younger people as you go old, grow older, you don't really have that at that much anymore, I think. Yeah, but, I think so too, but yeah, for a lot but, of young um, people, I think they don't want to they don't want to miss out on anything and they, you know, yeah. they go home later. Well, what could happen in the next two exactly. hours that I'm going to miss? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also for me, like I'm in my thirties now, it's so much different than when I, when I, you know, first started to go out in my teens. I mean, obviously also my body could not handle as much anymore as, as, as then, like at 35 now I get hung over quicker or get tired quicker. So it takes longer to recuperate. So that's also a, a big factor you know so yeah <laughs> and I also think for women for example women who are active in, in the dance music industry uh, DJs for example you know as they get older they they deal with different issues I think than men you know I've heard it in my practice um, issues like ageism like aren't you too old to DJ when you're like I don't know in your 40s or you just had a baby and you go back to the DJ booth like, oh, she's back already. She just had a baby. You know, it's oh all God. of those restrict restrictions are also there. So, and they're different for men as opposed to women or, you know, female identifying, men identifying. It's, yeah. it's different. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge, like a huge thing that we have to work through too, is just like mm -hmm. the sexism part of it. And for women, they have to fight even harder to feel like at peace and at home and confident with what they're doing because <laughs> other people are judging them. And it's easy to really internalize those judgments. And a huge part of it is making sure, you know, you're working past that. You're not listening to anyone who is 
trying to tear you down or just placing their own judgments on you. But yeah. I can imagine that that's a real struggle for your clients because that is just terrible that we're still having to live with people <laughs> who are saying things like that. Yeah. And also like, uh, when I look at the difference between my, my like male and female clients, you know, a lot of female clients, um, still have a day job, like a full-time day job and they DJ or produce on the side. Um, but they're experiencing, for example, you know, a pay gap as well. Like men get paid more than women. So they need to put in more hours to make sure that, you know, they can make ends meet and then they have less time for their DJing. And then, you know, their progress may be a bit slower as to building a career as a DJ. And then they go into, you know, a relationship and they come to an age where people are saying, oh gosh, shouldn't you start thinking about children yet? You know, it's, it's this whole different thing, but for men and, and for women, it's, it's incredible the, 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 you know, the different progress they, they make and the different struggles they have too. So I'm not saying it's, it's in general, it's just, it's very clear that that is happening. And in the dance music industry, especially I think over here in Europe and the UK, it's very much, you know, white male dominated. So, you know, white male privilege dominated. So it's really very different um, for men and women. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up and shared that with us. I think if we're either not, you know, like you said, you're in Europe, I'm not, <laughs> I'm in the States. And like, if you're either removed from it um, physically, or if you're removed from it just in terms of you're not in the genre or you're not going out and you're not hanging out with DJs, you don't know anyone, it can be mm -hmm. easy to just kind of like poo-poo it and be like, that's not a thing that's really happening or we don't really need to do anything about it. But this is a very real issue. Mm -hmm. And something it's real in that yes women should be paid more yes women should be treated with respect but we have to realize that this is something that can affect women's mental health too when they're just trying to do their jobs yeah trying to live their lives and do their jobs and they're facing so many obstacles that make it way harder to do that when mm -hmm. like you said the you know white men who are dominating the industry are able to just do it with ease and i'm not saying that all white men have ease doing it or don't suffer from mental health issues but they don't mm -hmm. have necessarily the same obstacles that women also do face yeah and then for men on the other hand it's more about like especially in in, in this industry as far as i've seen um it's more it's not expected of them to talk about their mental health struggles so that's the other side of the coin or whatever which way you want to put it so for them it's then the the emotional um the emotional side of things is a lot harder and to to then get support there is another story so that's usually been interesting because most of the clients i've worked with like most of the male clients so far were all either referred to be to me by one of their you know partners or like a female family member a girlfriend a wife whatever or were all in a relationship and actively discussing this with their their spouses so that that's been something that's been really interesting to me that you can see it's it's clearly still quite difficult for men to just um talk about this and reach out for support on their own you know yeah. And for women, it's, 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 it's another, it's different. Yeah. For men, do you think that 
the biggest struggle comes from just taking that first step and reaching out and acknowledging that they need to get help? Or does it still continue when you're working with them that it's way harder for them to open up even when they get to that point of realizing like, okay, I'm here now, I'm going to do the work, but Mm. I'm still feeling resistance and I'm still having trouble opening up. Mm. I have to say so far, um, I feel like once they, they made the first step, they're just there and they're all in. Like I've never, I've never had a, a male client up till now that still had, I mean, it's, of course it varies in degrees. Like some people are just easier to open up than others. Yeah, of course. But most of them were really sharing a lot of things that they were saying afterwards. Like, wow, I cannot believe that just came out, you know? Obviously, I'm also using certain tools to, mm-hmm. to lure and to draw all of these things out. But yeah. still, you know, I mean, the, the decision is still up to them what right, they yeah. share and what, the, you know, what they don't share. So, yeah, it's quite surprising, especially um, especially the younger clients. Like they, they are the ones that are usually less inclined to share. And they are usually the ones that are really surprised about what comes out and how relieved uh, they feel after. Well, it's good to hear then that usually, you know, the first step is the hardest part. But once you Mm -hmm. break past that, it's a lot easier to get that help that you really need and start to open up. So that's another thing that I think we can acknowledge and do a better job at is making it more comfortable for everyone, but especially men to open up and get the help that they need and not be afraid or ashamed to do it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I think the shame is a huge part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's, you know, well, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're having this conversation is because we don't need to be ashamed about it by getting yeah. help. You're doing the right thing for yourself and you're putting yourself first and there's no shame in that. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And then in many ways, it's also, as I mentioned before, like limiting beliefs you hold about yourself and, you know, the things that you were told as a child by your parents or your primary caregivers or, you know, a very impactful experience that you had as a child with your friends or your first adulthood experiences or your first romantic relationships, you know, like it's, it's also a matter of like these cultural gendered messages, you know, men aren't, aren't supposed to blah, blah, blah. And women, women aren't supposed to blah, blah, blah. It's always a matter of also overcoming those limiting beliefs about yourself. You know, if you're so used to thinking a certain way, it's really difficult to learn to think another way, but you can and and it's sometimes just a matter of making a small change. So everybody yeah. can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. So that limiting belief work is, I'm sure, a huge tool that you use to mm-hmm. get past this and to take the first steps to getting well, getting healthy, and just really holistically changing your life. What mm-hmm. other tips do you have and other techniques that you use with your clients who are struggling with balancing health in their lives that can help them move forward? Uh, well... I use a lot of meditation and well guided meditation techniques. So in every session, I always go through, I always start with a guided meditation um, and to just guide them through on the spot. I also have uh, some audio meditations that I give to my clients so that they can do it at home or wherever, you know, in their green room backstage uh, in a toilet stall, doesn't matter whatever they want to do it. Uh, <laughs> um, I also do, um, you know, I help them visualize things that usually really helps because then it's kind of like you put it somewhere outside of your body and it's a bit safer to work with. Um, I also use, I just really challenge people to, 
to change their perspective because the framework I work within is a very specific framework that works across four pillars and the four pillars are perception, acceptance, vision and action. So I really, by ask, asking a lot of questions and using NLP, you know, neuro linguistic programming, mm -hmm. I kind of try to measure the level of their awareness that they have across each pillar in any given situation, because that really varies. One situation is different than others. And then I really look at, okay, like what is your level of perception and how high is it? And the higher it is, the easier it is for them to accept the, all of the aspects of the situation. And once they have a high level of acceptance, they can really go to the next pillar and look at, okay, so what's my vision for this situation? How would I like to see this situation? And the clearer their vision there is, the easier it will be for them to go to the next pillar, which is taking action with effects. And the higher their awareness on the action pillar, the bigger the results they, they will have with their actions. So we really work within this framework. So talking and asking questions is a huge one and really doing also active exercises, uh, visualization techniques, as I mentioned, I give them homework as well. I tell them like, okay, like in the two weeks between our, you know, sessions, you will do this, this, and this, and you will work on that, that, that. And then I check in with them and I really try to make sure that they're on track. If they're not on track, we'll just check, you know, how we need to adjust. Um, and it's really, you know, I really, it's really custom made for every client. It really depends. Sometimes I will give them a book and say, here, here, read this. This is really going to help you. You know, it's, it really depends on the person. But yeah, the framework always stays the same. I love that framework too, because it really takes things slowly. And I feel like for anyone who knows they want to make a change, but doesn't know where to start, they don't, they don't have to worry about getting overwhelmed with like all of the things being thrown at them or like all of the work at yeah. once, but instead you're able to tackle one thing at a time and really mm -hmm. move forward with each thing as you're ready to move forward with it. Yeah. And also the nice thing about the framework is that there's, I mean, I just really simplified it because it's a lot more complicated than that, but it's really about kind of placing your worldview in, you know, actionable steps and also understanding limiting beliefs has a lot to do with your level of awareness across each and each, each of these four pillars. So, I mean, it's, it's a very complicated uh, framework, but if you can just really make it like understandable for somebody and, and relatable for somebody in, in very simple ways, then it's so much easy, easier to go through exercises with somebody. So before we let you go, what tips do you have for someone who, whether they're in the electronic part of the music industry, the electronic genre or not, who is struggling with balancing health and balancing their career and wants to turn their life around? What advice do you have for someone trying to take that first step? Well, First of all, I would say, and I'm not saying this to promote myself or you, your services, but get support. I mean, you don't have to do it alone. You don't. Even if it's just one, one session, one, one chat, one whatever, just get support. Get somebody to help you because you don't have to do it alone. And once you're at a point where you're like, oh my God, I don't know how to balance all of this, you're already overwhelmed. So just reach out and get somebody to kind of steer you in the right direction. That's number one. Two is definitely, I would say, meditation. Like if you've never meditated before, it's not difficult. There's a lot of 
guided meditations that you can check out on YouTube or wherever, you know, where you can find them anywhere. And, and it doesn't have to take long, even if it's just 10 minutes in your day, like just start meditating and just be consistent about it because the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And the more you can get yourself into a headspace of being calm and, and, you know, collected. And once you're in that headspace, it's so much easier to look at your issues that are presenting themselves on a daily basis. We all have problems on a daily basis, but then at least you can do it from a calm state of mind. If you're really going into panic mode, all I can say is breathe. Really people forget to breathe. Just sit down, place your feet firmly on the ground, ground yourself, you know, make sure that your, your body physique is aligned, roll your shoulders back, tuck your chin in and just take a deep breath, open up that chest. You know, it invokes an instant relaxation response and just a couple of deep breaths can already help. I could also say find a network of people that are like-minded and that can understand your struggles and that can help you. Like having a supportive network, being part of a sisterhood as a woman is really, is really life-changing. So I think that's also something that's really important. And those are all things that have helped me so far. So those are my tips. <laughs> I love that you just gave us like the most holistic way also <laughs> to <laughs> heal your mind, meditation, heal your body, breathe and get help and get support mm -hmm. outside. <laughs> it's like, yep. just like you said, it's not, it's not one thing as I'm sure what yeah. you do with your clients. It's not one thing that will help you, but mm -mm. it's a combination of many things. And by doing that, you will be able to like move forward and, and heal in whatever way you need healing. For sure. Nicely put. <laughs> <laughs> well, you started. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Aline, for being on today. Where can we find you and connect with you? Well, I have a website called theunicornmothership.com. And yeah, over there you can find more wait, about wait, my wait, story. Wait. The Unicorn Mothership? Yeah, I didn't can say you, that in the beginning of the, no, oh, okay, right. I don't think so. Can you tell no, I us didn't. about that name? Yeah, okay, so um, in short, so I told you in the beginning that I was struggling with a lot of mental health issues and I was also, you know, working in the music industry. And at some point I started to blog because um, I, I found out that I really like to write about things like music and whatever. So at some point I was so deep into my, mental health struggles um, that I decided to start blogging about myself, but it felt a bit scary to do that, you know, to really come out with my own issues. Uh, I felt too vulnerable and I couldn't do it. So I decided to kind of invent this kind of fantasy world about being on a spaceship, flying around in space because I felt like an alien in my own environment. And I invented the character of a captain of a ship and the captain ha happened to be a unicorn. So I blogged about myself. And then over the years, that kind of, you know, I kind of flew over these different things of business and projects and whatever. And I decided to put them all together into one business. And then I thought, what should I call it? And one of my friends said, well, why not the unicorn mothership? I mean, it's so you. And if you've been trying out all of these different things, why not use that as a framework? So that's why it's the unicorn mothership. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that, is, that is so fun. I love that so yeah. much. So everything I do is really like a part of my fantasy world, like all of my projects and all of my things that all fit in there. It's just part of the, you know, the, the captain of the ship, just flying around and trying out new things and discovering new planets and taking people on board and do whatever. <laughs>
That's amazing. Okay, so we can find you at theunicornmothership.com and where else? Yes, so I'm also on Facebook, theunicornmothership.com. I'm on Twitter at classylassie underscore e. <laughs> um, and yeah, I also have a radio show that's called Mind the Music, which focuses on um, you know exploring artists' well-being in the electronic scene. Um, but that's all part of uh, the Unicorn Mothership. So if you just surf to my website, um, you can find everything that you want and need to know there. And if that doesn't answer your questions, you can just reach out through my website and I'm happy to answer any questions everybody has. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure talking with you, Aline. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you.